today is uh, John chapter 6. You'll see that in your service sheet or you'll see that on the screen. And we've got Betty Dees down to read on that, but Betty's, uh, until it gets a little bit warmer, Betty's not going to be here. Uh, And so I'm going to read it for you, I hope. Uh, service sheet or on the screen or open up your Bibles or as Dean did last week, open up your phones. Uh, you can find it in there as well. Uh, John chapter 6 verse 25 to 40. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me not because you saw the signs I performed but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works of God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our answers ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who had given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all that he, those he has given me but raise them up on the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I'll raise them up at the last day. If you were to ask somebody, where does your food come from? Now it depends again probably on the age of the person that you ask that. Uh, but often people would probably say it comes from the supermarket or it comes from the shop or it comes from my mum and dad. Uh, we live in a slightly rural, rural area and so maybe they might, uh, we might recognise that uh, it's got to come from somewhere before it gets to the shop. Uh, but in Jesus' day, everything came from the fields. They had markets, yes, but everything came from the fields. Uh, They were brought in from the fields to the market. Basically, if there was no food in the fields, then there was no food in the markets and you died. What happens if we have a drought? Well, we just pray for them, that's great. But what happens to our food supply when, it, when, when a drought hits? It gets slightly more expensive, doesn't it? 
we source food from everywhere these days. But if you're living in Jesus' day, at his time, if there was a drought, then there was no food and you died. If I was to ask you, why do you work, what do you earn money for, uh, the things that you have, uh, you might say there's a percentage of it that goes to food, but most of what we earn these days goes to buy stuff, to buy things. New phone, new toy, new books, new Netflix account. New we buy stuff, don't we? Just about everything, our money, is to buy stuff. Or even if you want to say our house goes towards what we live in. In Jesus' day, 90% of what you earned went to food. 90% of what you earned went so you could eat. If you didn't earn, you died. If you had a drought, you died. If you have no bread, you have no life. Now that is really important for us to understand as we come to this passage today because if we don't understand that, we will not understand the passage that's before us. Because when we think of bread, when we think of food, it is just at the click of our fingers. It is there, it is available and we can spend plenty amount on it, it doesn't take very much of ultimately of our expenditure but in Jesus' day no bread meant no life. You see the context of this passage that we're in is in the whole of John chapter 6. Go home uh, after today, not right now, go home after this morning uh, and read the whole of John chapter 6. Uh, you'll see it's a one passage. It's a, it's a really long passage. And it's about one story really that flows all the way through and it's all about bread and it's all about life. Uh, right back at the beginning of John 6, we see that Jesus feeds uh, 5,000 men, which would have been a whole lot more than that, with two small uh, fish and five loaves. Very limited you would not think that that was possible, but he did. He fed all those people. It was a miracle. Uh, it was a phenomenal miracle. It was a sign of who Jesus is. Uh, then Jesus from there, he's over on the other side of the lake here in uh, Galilee. I was there last year. It's a beautiful picturesque spot. Looks out over the Sea of Galilee or the Lake of Galilee. It's not that big. Uh, looks out over that. And then on the other side is Capernaum. And so Jesus that night goes across to Capernaum. Now there's a number of miracles in the section in between this and when the section we get to. So read that. Have a look at that. Uh, but he goes over to the other side and the people over here in, uh, at the Mount of Olives over this side here, they wake up the next morning and think, Jesus is gone. Now what do you think they do? They chase him. Now there's a miracle that happens, there's a whole lot of boats get swept up onto the shore just at the right time and they get in the boats and they go across the other side. Now I'm not sure it was the 5,000 but a whole lot of them go across to the other side. They find Jesus in the synagogue and then they confront him or they ask him some questions and that's where we find him in verse 25. 
So remember the context. No bread, no life, drought, you die, 90% of your income goes towards food. Jesus has just provided more food than you could possibly imagine. And we get over to the other side and the people have seen this sign but they've missed the significance of it. So let's have a look at it together. If you've got your Bibles, open up and see what happens. In this little bit of a dialogue that happens in verses 25 to 40, we find out what Jesus says and how he responds to them. Uh, as we come to think about that, I'm going to pray. And uh, for God to open up our hearts and our souls and our minds to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you great thanks uh, for the story of Jesus that we have in front of us. We pray, Father, now that we will not miss the significance of this passage. But Lord, uh, as you apply this to our hearts uh, through your word and by your spirit, Lord, uh, that we will be people here who are moved and changed and transformed by what we hear this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So they've come across and then on the other side and they're seeking out Jesus and so Jesus wants to clarify their vision. He wants to see them recognise the significance of what this sign is and to see clearly now because they're pretty hazy about this Jesus at the moment. He wants them to focus in and see who he is. And so we come to this and we see that Jesus is there right at the top. He says, uh, they've talked to him and said, what's going on? What's happening? And Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. They've come across, they've asked questions, they want to know what's going on and they want to know what is it that is the work of God that will give us this life that was going to last forever. And he says that the work of God is to believe. You see, what's been happening is these guys have seen this significance. Uh, they've seen Jesus do this and they've come across and they've thought, ah, Jesus is our food dispenser. He's going to give us food for the rest. If we go to him, don't have to worry about drought. If we go to him, we can have 90% of our income back. If we go to him, we don't have to go in the kitchen anymore. This is pretty attractive, isn't it? That's what they're thinking. And so they're thinking, how can we get this? How can we be part of this? How can we have this, Lord? What can we need to do to work for this? And Jesus flips it on him, doesn't he? Because it's not about work, he says. It's about belief. They're thinking, well, maybe we need to do some good things for God to be able to bless us this way. Maybe we can work our way to salvation. Maybe we need to follow the laws of God and then he'll bless us and we'll have this and then we won't have to eat. We'll be sustained for the rest of our lives. And then Jesus clarifies the vision and he brings it back down and he says to them, it's belief. To have faith in. To put one's trust in. It's funny, isn't it? That work equals belief, which equals faith. Which in the end isn't work at all. Jesus wants to turn their heads around and say, guys, guys, it's not about working. It's about trust and faith and faith in him. 
the one who God has sent. You see that? But no, 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 can't be that. Jesus, please show us more signs. Come on, you've given us one, we want more. Give us more signs, Lord. Come on, give us more signs. Do us something like Moses did. Which is pretty ironic, isn't it? Because just the, the day before, he's done more than Moses did in one sense. He's taken fish and bread, not just manna. Uh, Moses' one was for 40 years. But then Jesus clarifies their vision on that as well. As he says there in verse 32, Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is God. See, they were holding Moses up. He was the idol. He was the one that we want to follow. And Jesus says, no, 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 it's about God. God's the one that provided that. And God's going to provide the true heaven bread. It's a little bit of a... A little bit of a warning for us here too, isn't there? That we don't get caught into the thing of thinking that we're disciples of or followers of the great speaker at the moment in history. You're not a disciple of Billy Graham. We're not a follower of Tim Keller. We're not to seek to live like John Piper or whomever or Brian Houston or whoever you want to stick in that category at the moment who's out there doing some amazing... Rick Warren... We're not to be disciples of them. They're not the ones that bring the manna. They're not the bread of life. God's the one who sent it. It's a great warning, isn't it? So often we can get caught into the trap that we're just going to listen to this guy because he's got the answer. But Jesus clarifies the vision again, doesn't he? He brings it back. He says, no, no, no. It's not about Moses. It's about God. It's not about manna. Because if you look at verse 49 later on in the, in the chapter, Jesus says, uh, they ate manna in the desert, but they still died. It's about the manna, the bread that God is going to send that is for eternal life. And here's that great I am statement. Now I want to encourage you uh, to memorise all the I am statements. How's that for you? All right? For this series, at the end, there will be a chocolate bar for you if you want to win it. Um, I know, great incentive, isn't it? But I want to really encourage you to memorise. Uh, I encouraged you last week to memorise John 1, 1 to 14. Didn't I know that? that was big. If you sing the song, The Word, you're memorising John 1, 1 to 14. Did you recognise that? The, very, the song that we sang, the second song? It's actually John 1, 1 to 14 to Word, to music. Uh, but I want to encourage you, if you can't do the whole of John 1, 1 to 14, pick one out of that. In the beginning, God was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and we have seen His glory, maybe that one. Uh, but I want to challenge you to take on the I Am statements. And this is the first one that we come to. And Jesus said to them, as He's trying to clarify their vision, He's bringing them back, He's bringing them back, He's bringing them, focusing them in on it, for them to try and see what this is all about, because it's all about Him. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. And whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Now there's two stunning parts to this statement. And the first one 
comes with the very first two words. I am. Does anyone know why that is so significant now? John. Yeah. I, that's it. God's name in the Old Testament is I am who I am. Does anyone know what that word is when they transliterate it into Hebrew? Yahweh. So Yahweh in the Old Testament is the transliteration is the Hebrew of I am who I am. And Jesus says here, I am. That is a huge statement, isn't it? Jesus saying, I am God. I am God with you. Remember last week? The word was with God. The word was God. Jesus is making a statement to all those who are listening that the God of the Old Testament, the, the I am there, is now here in front of you in the flesh in me. I am who I am. That would have rocked. And you, if you read down in the passage, they get a little bit agitated about that. <laughs> um, and they get more and more agitated about that as they go on. So that's the first thing. Even this, the first two, two words, I am, is a big statement. And then the second one is that he is the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. That is a huge statement. Remember back in the why? Come and check it out because Jesus makes some big claims. Now firstly, let me make this clear to you that Jesus is speaking in metaphorical language. Okay? I need to be clear on that because if we don't understand that, we're not going to understand later when he talks about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, we're going to think this is some, some strange cult that's going on over here. Uh, that's at the end of John chapter 6. But first and foremost, Jesus is using metaphorical language and he says, I am the bread. You're not a loaf, Jesus, are you? You can't break bits off you. You're not made of flour and dough. It's clear he's not saying that he is a loaf of bread. But remember how important it was earlier? Without bread, you die. Bread brings life. See what Jesus is doing? He's saying metaphorically, he's making himself equivalent to saying that he, him himself, is life. He is the one that brings life. Remember back at the beginning, he's the light and the life of the world. Jesus is life. Without him, there is nothing. Without him, there is no life. Without him, we have no life. So he's speaking metaphorically, isn't he? And in that sense, he's saying, in me... Uh, if you come to me, whoever comes to me will never hunger and never thirst. Later on the passage he says, if you eat or drink of me, you'll never hunger, you'll never thirst. What he's saying, he's using a Jewish idiom, which was saying that if you eat something, that idea, then you ingest and it becomes part of you, that it actually enters into you. We use similar things like, I can devour a book. You don't actually pick it up and eat it, do you? You devour it, you, come, you, you take it all in. That's what he's saying here, is to take Jesus into the very heart of who you are, into the innermost part of you, 
to believe, to trust, to have faith in him, then you will be satisfied. Your heart will be fed and your soul will no longer be thirsty. That is how Jesus is the bread of life. It's saying take Jesus to be the centre of who you are, the core of who you are, to be at the very innermost being of you, to take him there. I'm just going to talk about how that happens in a minute. That's what he's saying to you this morning. Have you done that? Have you taken Jesus and metaphorically eaten him, ingested him, taken him, devoured him and placed him at the centre of your life, at the core of your being, as the one who reigns supreme in your life? Because when you do, Jesus says that he feeds your heart And he refreshes your soul. That you will no longer need to seek to find that. The why that the questions that we're asking in that video clip are answered here in Jesus. He's the one that satisfies. He's the one that feeds. He's the one that refreshes. Now it doesn't mean that we're not going to wake up or walk out of here today and have times when we think that there's What's out there that we're going to feel that there's times that we're missing stuff and it's not happening. But we know where to go. We know where to go because Jesus is the only one who can satisfy that because he's the only one that has life within him. Because when he goes to the cross and rises again, that's the life that he brings to you and I. There's a song that we're uh, going to be singing in the future called um, Resurrection. And it's it's got a line and it says, the resurrecting king, the resurrected king is resurrecting me. It's a constant thing that Jesus is doing for us. And I pray that you put Jesus at the centre of your life. That you take him in. That you give him all that is there. Because his promise is, he gives you life. He satisfies your soul and he refreshes, uh, satisfies your heart and refreshes your soul. John Piper, I mentioned we don't follow him, uh, but says this. He says, take Jesus into your life as the all-satisfying, life-giving treasure that he is. That's what Jesus is asking us to do this morning. You might have done that in the past. Well, refresh it today. You might not have done it at all. Well, do it today. Take him in. Because he does change everything. He changes our perspective on everything. Because when we're in him, when we know him, then we know that we have life in him now and we know that we have life eternally. So what we have now is only a campsite. It's only a picture of something that's going to be far better. Far better. What we don't have now that we think we're missing out on now, we're going to have far more in the future. And even what we have now that's good is going to be far better 
in Jesus in eternity. Gives us that sense that we can live towards that. So when we go to work, we can live and work hard and do the best that we can because we know this is not the best it is, but there's something better to come. We can live life not expecting anyone else around us or apart from us or near us to fulfill us because Jesus does. That frees us to love people, doesn't it? Because we're not using them. Freezes up to live. It changes everything that we do. And the beauty is that part of this is that God is involved in all of that. Uh, this is a great passage. And uh, as you go down through here, we, Jesus says that, that I am the bread of life. And then in the next part of the passage, he tells us how that works out in play on the ground. And so he goes on and he says, so look at that in verse 36. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. So they're still missed the significance, haven't they? <laughs> they're still missing it. Signs and miracles aren't the answer. Jesus is. See what he's saying? Signs and miracles are only pointers. That's not where we put our faith. Our faith is in Jesus. He's saying, you've seen the signs and miracles, guys, but you're missing me. So he says, this is what happened. He says, all those the Father has given me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. It's a, I don't know whether you've noticed at the beginning of the year, or even doesn't have to be the beginning of the year, but if you drive around uh, and see schools that are happening, and particularly preschools, I reckon it's really interesting. As you come to a preschool, uh, and maybe on those first couple of first day, and there they are, the parents, and they've got their child. This is a big day. I'm going to take my child and I'm going to bring them to the, this preschool and I'm going to hand them over to someone else to trust and care and look after. It's a beautiful picture in some sense. Sometimes they're screaming and they're crying and it's a very noisy picture sometimes. But it's a really interesting picture, isn't it? They're, here they are, the parent holding the hand, taking the child and handing them over into the care of the people at the preschool. And if you're Evans Head, we've got great preschools and they cared for and you come back in the, next, in the afternoon and you take them back and they're all cared for and they're lovely and they don't want to go back the next day. But it's, 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 a, it's a beautiful picture, isn't it? And as I was thinking about the picture that Jesus is showing here, it's a bit like that here in this passage. God takes our hand. He woos us. He loves us. He takes our hand. He grabs us. And he says, come with me. Come with me. And I'm going to place you in the hands of Jesus. And he's never going to let you go. He's got you. You're safe and you're secure him. Oh, that's what God does to us. Takes us and leads us and places us in the hands of Jesus and holds us forever. See what he says, all the foes the Father have given me 
will come to me and whoever comes to me I'll never drive away. Then if you jump down to verse 39 and this is the will of him. This is the will of God who sent me that all shall, that, whoa, I'll have to go up here. Uh, that I shall lose none of all those he has given me. When you are Jesus, you are safe and secure and he never lets you go. He never lets you go. Now, some of you here who've been Christians for a long time will be saying, ooh, what's this theory? What's this work out? Well, you might have heard of a word of called predestination. Well, I'm not going to outline that too much for you, but you want to think that this is what Jesus is saying here. And, oh, can people lose their salvation? Well, Jesus is saying, if you are truly his, then no. Because Jesus never lets you go. And if you want to have a think about those other bits behind it, think about the ultimate security that Jesus is saying safe, secure hands of Jesus. You are in his. Because Jesus says then, my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and I'll raise him up at the last day. And it's amazing the Bible, isn't it? Because one moment you hear this, there's one track running down here, God grabs us, he places us, Jesus holds us and he keeps us. And then the next track over here, whoever sees Jesus and believes in him, they're his. Now there's lots of, uh, we could debate and think about this for a long time, but it is an amazing double truth in the scriptures that both God's sovereignty and human responsibility there's God's sovereignty, it runs down this track, he's in control of everything, he's got it all sorted and he will hold you. And then there's human responsibility, it runs down this track here, we need to make decisions, we need to make, put our trust and faith and belief in and both these run down through scripture and both of them are there for a reason. The hot God's sovereignty is so that you feel safe and secure and loved and held forever and you know that you're his. And the other one over here, the responsibility is, I've got to make decisions. I need to, and I'm responsible for those decisions that I make. And I need to put my trust and belief. We are involved in this as well. But then yet, we're also trust and God in and we're in his hands. Now, if you can read that bit in the middle, basically it's saying to us that sometimes we need to hold these two truths, though in tension, in some sense, but both true. Two railway tracks that run down the line. I've explained this before, uh, but I think this is a good illustration of how it works. Uh, when God brings us, uh, he places us into Jesus' hands. He brings us and he places us and he grabs us. And he's got us. And we respond by seeing and believing and we grab hold of him. And we hold him and we're there and we're in his and we've got him forever. Now, in this situation, if it was left up to me and just me, I would do this. There will be moments when I let go. But the really good news is that Jesus never lets go of me. And he'll pull me back. And I'm his. And I'm held by him forever. That is the wonderful truth of this passage. No bread, no life. 
but in Jesus, the bread of life, we have life forever. In him, Jesus is life, and in him, our heart... Ooh, I've lost myself, sorry. Forget that part. There were other couple of pictures in there. But in him, he satisfies us, doesn't he? He satisfies our heart and our souls forever. Put your trust in him. And know that when you have, he's got you. And he's never, ever going to let you go. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we... We chase after all sorts of things in our life to think that that bread or that job or that person or that circumstance or that holiday or that, you name it, Lord, is going to give us life, is going to satisfy our souls, is going to take away our thirst. But none of it works, Lord. Only in Jesus, the true bread of life, one who feeds our hunger, the hunger of our heart, who refreshes our souls, will ever, ever satisfy. Heavenly Father, make our hearts believe. By your Spirit, change our hearts to trust that, to believe in that and to live lives in the light of the wonderful truth that Jesus is the bread of life. We pray this in his precious name.